We're going to fight like hell with a smile on our faces That's right. because our children are watching us. Mm-hmm. And I don't want our children to look back and say that this was a burden to fight for America yeah. or somehow we were angry all the time because it's a privilege yeah. to fight for this country. And so what you see all across the country are moms and dads stepping up. Welcome to the Kevin Roberts Show. Thanks so much for making this show possible. As you know, we each week try to meet with someone across America some folks in Washington, D.C., because, you know, there are a few good folks in Washington, but most of all, people outside the nation's capital. And this week, we have someone who really has changed America for the better, although I suspect she's not willing to take credit for that. She really should. Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And you are correct. I have not done any of this alone. No, you haven't. And, and yet, and I, it is heartfelt, not just from me and from heritage colleagues who know, but from people all across the country as I travel around with my heritage hat on, talking about my optimistic view for the future in spite of all of our challenges, that invariably at every one of these events, Moms for Liberty comes up. And I say, that's an example in modern America of women, great American women who've said, we've had enough. So thank you. You're welcome. And, and thank the over 95,000 members across the country yeah. that are standing up and taking their communities back. No, it's, it's great. In fact, my, my wife, you'll appreciate this. I mentioned this to, to one of your compatriots and Moms for Liberty a little while ago. My wife said a few months ago in, in, in a fit of very legitimate rage about everything that was going on, she said, Kevin, why isn't the Heritage Foundation doing something for parents? I said, Michelle, look at Moms for Liberty. She said, wow, these women are awesome. <laughs> And so heritage has been well. And heritage, I will say, has been great for us to be able to learn from. Yeah. Um, because uh, your leadership has been bold. The the heritage itself has been bold on the issues that are affecting American families, and we're appreciative of that because it's going to take bold action. Well, it will. And and I am very proud of my colleagues who have a certain level of fearlessness that has always been required to protect not just freedom, but something even more important than freedom, and that is flourishing, especially of kids. And 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 obviously doing that in partnership with y'all has been a real treat, to say the least. So before we jump into some of the challenges that y'all are confronting and that, that we are as well, I'm curious, and I know our audience is, about the story, sort of the origin story of Moms for Liberty. So uh, Moms for Liberty was founded by me and Tina Deskovich, and we both served as school board members from 2016 to 2020 in Florida. Mm -hmm. Both moms, Tina has five children with her husband combined. I have four children with my husband. Um, So, you know, we were seeing, we were unpacking a lot of backpacks, but then serving as school board members. And we'd like to say we saw behind the education curtain and it was not pretty. And then COVID happened and Mm -hmm. all of America saw behind the education curtain. And what parents saw was what their kids were learning or not learning, Mm -hmm. and they were very, very concerned. And so Moms for Liberty was born out of a need to unify parents so that they had a real seat at the table. Um, We saw that the union had an undue influence in our children's education Mm -hmm. and that there were many people that were profiting off of the education system in America, but the outcomes are not what they should be. Uh, We are funding failure Mm -hmm. as far as public education is concerned. So Moms for Liberty, our mission is to unify, educate, and empower parents. And what we've seen is that when you unify parents and you bring them together and then you educate them on the issues and inform them, then they're empowered to make change. And obviously you have really touched a nerve because you've got 95,000 who have joined you. I'm curious, and this is the historian in me coming out, 
the, the chronology of this, but going back to when you first decided you were going to run for school board, because yeah. I think that says something about you. And it also speaks to an act that a lot more Americans need to be willing to do. So walk us through that and, and up to the point where you realize, gosh, this, this thing I've gotten myself into is, is, is a real albatross around the, the neck of achievement, educational achievement, social achievement for our kids. So I got, I decided to run for school board because I was volunteering at my daughter's school. There was an <laughs> elementary school that was in my community, in mm-hmm. my county, and it had really fallen into a state of disrepair. Yeah. Um, there, the, the hallways were flooding when it rained, yeah. um, and there were kids that I knew were at school that day, and they'd have wet sneakers, and that was the only pair of sneakers they had. Gosh. So they would be putting those wet sneakers on the next day, and I yeah. thought about what that would feel like if you were sitting in a classroom and your sneakers were wet. And and I went to the school board and I said, you know, we've got a real problem here. Mm-hmm. Went to the principal first, actually, mm-hmm. and asked the principal, what can we do? And her attitude really, unfortunately, it was very much... Um, I don't like to make waves with the district because when you do that, they don't like it. And and so I got a group of parents together and we went to the school board and the answer by many of the school board members, in fact, I remember one gentleman in particular who I took on a tour of the school said, what, what if we just close the school? Yeah. And I was standing there with our now chapter chair coordinator for the entire country, Pat Blackburn. And I said, excuse me? Yeah. And he said, well, he looked at the guy, he said, why don't we just close the school? Maybe the land's worth some money. We can sell the land and we'll just build another school yeah. uh, and we can combine a couple, you know. And I said, this is a community school. There are people that have gone to school here, that whose children go to school here. Yep. They walk to school. Mm-hmm. You're not closing this school. And, and from that point on, just continued to rally parents and we mm-hmm. got the school renovated uh, and it flourished. Yeah. And so... Um, I, I, someone then suggested maybe I should run for school board, mm-hmm. and that was never something I thought about doing. <laughs> you didn't wake up one day no, wanting to do this. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't come from a family that was like very involved in politics. Yeah. Um, I've never been a very political person in general. Sure. Um, and so uh, for me, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I can help other parents yeah. to make change for their schools, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I ran and I, I won. And uh, really loved the experience, learned so much about my community, um, but it was not without its challenges, yeah. for sure. So what was your first school board meeting like? Did it meet your expectations or was it eye-opening? And so that's it, a leading question because I've <laughs> talked to a lot of friends who've made the jump, thank goodness, to be on school boards. And whether it's the first meeting or the you know the hundredth meeting, they come back and say, Kevin, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's very interesting. I would say that much like Tina, um, mm. who also ran for school board, and and we we didn't know each other. By the way, we didn't we we weren't friends. We didn't know each other. We had only met really once in person, twice in person before yeah. we started Moms for Liberty. It was very interesting, um, but. We had both been involved. So Tina had run, I think, the, the PTO at her children's school and had been involved in the district and in a lot of community activities. I had just gone through this experience about learning yeah. uh, about uh, the way that uh, capital maintenance and, and is done in school districts and how money is prioritized. And so I had that background and, and had really they didn't want to spend the money and I showed them in the budget where they could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I came in with some knowledge yeah, under my belt. I had been watching. Essential. Yeah. I had been going to the school board meetings. I had been participating. Um, so my first meeting and it's true, you hit the ground running. You can't, you know, you can't say, I don't want to make this decision or I don't have enough information mm-hmm. um, in order to, for there to be a conflict of interest. You really have to have very solid ground for that. You can't yeah. just, you know, abstain from a vote and, 
Um, so yeah, there's no, there's no time to, to like get up to speed. You get there yeah. and it, it just starts. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember that first school board meeting, they, they swore me in and I put up my hand and, and they said, um, so help me God. And I said, so help. I still remember. <laughs> I said, so help me God. And, um, I think God did because it, it really has turned out to be a wonderful experience. No, it really is. I mean, what a, what a, we'll talk about some of the challenges that, that our respective efforts face, but what a blessing that. You decided to run for school board. That you you summoned the courage. Of course, you you will credit others as well. But y'all have really altered the national conversation, and I think your work has improved the lives of kids. Because imagine what would have happened if there wasn't a vehicle, which Moms for Liberty has been, to harness the angst that a political parents. I mean, mostly parents who don't have many political thoughts, like most Americans had over the lack of transparency, everything that was going on in COVID. So I want to talk about sort of those national issues, but explain for us that pivot or that moment of of transformation where you realized when COVID started and you're dealing with your school district that this was a serious problem for our kids. Absolutely. I remember March 13th, 2020, Mm. I was standing in the school district offices and um, Governor DeSantis came and said, you Mm. know, came out and said we were going to be closing schools. And I remember looking at the superintendent, who was a fairly new superintendent. He had been hired in December. Um, but he was an experienced educator and, and a, an administrator. And just thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, what a test. Yeah. Because a school district is a lot like a, a cruise ship. I think, mm. you know, it takes a lot to get it moving and it takes a lot to stop it, too. Yeah. And yet we were going to stop the in-person learning and somehow pivot to virtual learning, which we really didn't have any foundation for. And then I watched as really well-intentioned educators and administrators tried to create a, a virtual system of mm. learning, but there was no accountability for teaching. Um, there was no accountability for learning. And, and through the end of that year, we graduated children who really had not participated yeah. in that, those last months of school. And we promoted children into the next grade um, where they were really lacking in a mm-hmm. lot of the knowledge that they needed. And it was very concerning. Um, so Tina and I both watched this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, then we watched as the teachers unions across the country tried to keep schools closed. Mm-hmm. And Governor DeSantis and Richard Corcoran, the commissioner of education at the time, um, came out on July 6th, 2020, and said, uh, we will be in open for in-person learning in Florida. You can do virtual. We're not going to mess with your funding. Yeah. Um, but you, we will have in-person learning. Classes will be open. Yep. And the Florida Teachers Union sued mm-hmm. Governor DeSantis. And I believe they law- they, that they won it first. Mm-hmm. And then Governor DeSantis appealed and won. And, and my goodness, did we open schools? Yeah, and which is a national story, absolutely. actually an international story. Absolutely, and and because we had the data to show that it was yeah. safe, we we knew that it was safe, and we knew that kids needed to be in school. And I think really everything was about you know just risk analysis, and mm. and but we knew the kids needed to be in school. Um, and then really for Tina and I both, I think. With the issues, everyone always will ask us, well, was it COVID? Was it the masks? It was mm. this. Everyone wants to make it about something, right? It was about parental rights. Yeah. It was about the fact that as school board members, we watched as parents came to us and said, you know, forced quarantining of healthy children is hurting kids. My children are suffering. They're depressed. They're anxious. Um, the masking yeah. in my own district, um, you know, every district in, in, the, in Florida was able to come up with their own reopening plan. Yeah. And in our reopening plan, 
um, we had said masks would be required when social distancing wasn't possible. So mm -hmm. it was supposed to be the exception, not the rule. Very quickly, we saw that, I mean, schools are not made for six feet of distancing between kids. <laughs> um, kids are not going to maintain that distance. And so all of a sudden, the masks became the rule. And I very quickly came out and said, wait a second. Yeah. We lied to parents. This isn't what we told them would be happening. We mm -hmm. need to go back and we need to alter the reopening plan. And then I had four school board members who said no. Really? Yes. And I watched as bureaucracy and red tape and liability caused the school district, caused school board members to abdicate their authority mm -hmm. and caused horrible decisions for parents and children. And parents came. Tina will talk about having a mother come uh, and speak at a school board meeting whose child was deaf and couldn't get a medical exemption for mm -hmm. a mask. And that child was then, you know, couldn't hear. Now their mouth is covered. They're closed off from the world. Yeah, completely. Completely. Yeah. And so we had parents coming to us and normally a, a system that would make accommodations for children who had needs. Mm -hmm. And that's really what school districts are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Didn't care about parents anymore. And so I remember sitting on that school board and we have a t-shirt at Moms for Liberty. I'll tell you about that. But I remember sitting on the school board and saying to the superintendent, we do not co-parent with the government. Amen. We will partner yep. with our children's schools and we recognize that this community needs to work together. Mm -hmm. But we do not co-parent with the government. These are medical decisions that parents need to be making. Right. These are educational decisions that parents need to be making. And who are we to stand in the way of that? Who are you to think that you can have some other doctor come in and tell me what's best for my child? Yep. And so we fought really hard. And then uh, November uh, of, of uh, 2020, our, our school board uh, terms came to an end. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tina called me and, and said, um, in December, we've got to do something. Yeah. And I said, okay, what do you wanna <laughs> what do you wanna do? I was gonna take a month. I was gonna take December, right? What do you wanna do? And she said, We've gotta help these parents. And it was true. We saw parent groups springing up, yeah. right? And, and in my own community, there was a parent group that's, that sprung up and we would sit there 12 hour meetings, 14 hour meetings yeah. and these moms would be in the audience and we were wow. just looking at each other. Tina had the same. Yeah. And the two first chapters were two moms from our own counties mm -hmm. who had stepped up to lead. And, um, you know, what a blessing. Um, women just came together and said, gosh, we need to we need to work together for our yeah. kids. No, thank goodness. I mean, it, it, it may seem like an overstatement, but I don't I don't think it is. And and I happen to be a historian of early America, so I know that it's not. But there were similar groups leading up to the American Revolution of women, the Daughters of Liberty. We know the Sons of Liberty. There, uh, there were Republican motherhood groups, little r Republican. And all of that was to be in support of faith and family and freedom, ultimately of the revolution too. And therefore, where I'm going with that, Tiffany, is that I've been arguing for the last few months that we are going through what I call a second American revolution, hopefully with no bloodshed. I don't, of course, suggest violence there, but I think what was happening is that we're, we're because of COVID, because of this long-standing thing or pattern that Americans have not really been paying attention to, which is the intrusion of government into our lives. We know that at the federal level, depending upon someone's state, they may know that at the state level, but what you put your finger on is that it was happening at the local level, that the government was at best wanting to co-parent with families, 
In fact, even some government and teacher union officials said, we need to get parents out of the way when it comes to their children, right? That they're almost wards of the state. All of that to say, this is, while huge for education and for kids, this is a moment. Moms for Liberty is something that really has ignited, even for those Americans who don't have kids, real encouragement about the future. And so tell us some of the most inspiring stories or incidents where y'all have really changed the outcome of particular debates across the country. You know, very early on, a friend of mine who is a lawyer in Florida and worked very hard uh, fighting against forced masking and forced mm. vaccinations said to me, um, Tiffany, you guys are war moms. Yeah, that's he right. He said, you need to understand you're war moms. It's mm -hmm. a different type of war. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, okay. <laughs> Let me wrap my head around that for a second. And then I thought about what that meant. And mm -hmm. I thought about what it meant for the future of our country. And that's where Joyful Warriors came from. Yeah. Because I always say we're going to fight like hell with a smile on our faces. That's right. Because our children are watching us. Mm -hmm. And I don't want our children to look back and say that this was a burden to fight for America. Yeah. Or somehow we were angry all the time because it's a privilege yeah. to fight for this country. And so what you see all across the country are moms and dads stepping up. And we've been very focused on school board. Mm -hmm. um, our parents know their school board members now by name. They probably didn't even know what the fending mechanism was for their district, mm -hmm. right? But parents are stepping up and getting involved. So the proudest moments for us um, we celebrate wins all the time, small wins, big wins. Sometimes it's getting a worksheet uh, out of a classroom that a parent saw was an issue. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's winning, like in Kenosha, Wisconsin, two of three school board seats and the vice chair of our chapter being the county supervisor. And I said, why did you run for county supervisor, Amanda? And she said, well, they're the ones who get to pick who runs the health department. Oh, and I smart. said, aren't you a smart cookie? Yeah. Because we watched as forced quarantining of healthy children yep. to keep healthy children mm -hmm. home at two weeks at a time was horrible. It was devastating to their future. And moms watched as we knew this precious time in our children's mm -hmm. lives where every day matters was just taken from them by adults who forgot that it 14 to 15 is different than 34 to 35. Yeah. Right? That's right. And, and all the data showed that. And all, that's a right. remarkable thing. Right? And, but moms know it inside of yeah. themselves. Moms knew, right? Yeah. We, we knew immediately when the American Academy of Pediatrics comes out and tells moms that babies don't really need to see your face. Yeah. That's a lie. Yeah, that's right. And American parents watched as an expert class failed them mm -hmm. and said, well, who are the experts now? Well, the experts are going to have to be us. Yeah. We're going to have to trust ourselves again. And we're going to have to trust each other. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think the coolest thing about Moms for Liberty, I say it all the time, who knew I was going to make so many f new friends in my <laughs> 40s? Who knew we were? Yeah. But parents were busy. They were raising their families. They were work. They're working right. They thought mm -hmm. their kids were doing okay in school. And then the things that meant the most of them to them, they realized maybe weren't as secure. Yeah. As what they thought. And so, um, yeah, the wins, I mean, it, it's great. And, and when one of us falter or, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's always someone else that's going to be willing to step up. Yeah. And I've watched that across the country. You watch as our chapters build. Mm -hmm. It's like a little fire starts in mm -hmm. a state and then the next county starts and then the next county starts. And it's been really neat to watch that and for the parents to learn from each other. Yeah. So what we saw... For a while, like things happening in California or in mm -hmm. Washington, it would take time. Right. Right now, these parents are communicating 
And they're saying, you know, like, I don't put a bike helmet on my child because they've been hurt before. I put a bike helmet on my child because I know there's this potential for them to get hurt. And so parents now are looking and saying, I don't need my daughter to be sexually assaulted in a bathroom to know that that's not a good idea to have boys in the girls' bathroom. Because we've seen what that looks like in other places. It doesn't have to happen here. Right? And so we're learning from each other. And that's probably the coolest thing no it, it really is it, it does remind me to go back to the the revolution reference that in the 1760 1760s sam adams said that you could count on the revolution succeeding because of these brush fires for liberty across the country and we are i mean god wired us to be a free people yes i mean every human being on the planet the privilege that we have in the united states is that we actually through our own individual action can work hard enough to put government back in its box. It's, it's a shame we have to do that. But in spite of all of this good work, there are naysayers. <laughs> and you know, at, at, Her- yeah, at Heritage, <laughs> you, you laugh and I'm laughing because at Heritage, we, we chuckle about this because this is what we call being over the target. <laughs> you, you, do, you, you can judge your success by the people who are complaining about your work. And so y'all have an illustrious list there from Randy Weingarten, uh, head of the teachers unions, to Al Jazeera, you know, our, yes. our, our favorite news site. <laughs> Uh, have any of those attacks been the kind of thing that bothered you or were they as as the, those kinds of things often become encouragement? That's a really interesting question. I think Tina and I um, were put through the ringer as school board members. Yeah. I know we were. Yeah. But I feel like we were trained for this. Mm-hmm. We were prepared. And so as we stand in defense of liberty and freedom in America, mm-hmm. we're helping other mothers to see yeah. that people can call you names and you just need to get past it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're right. There have been a lot of things written about us. I'm reminded that you get the most flack when you're over the target. That's right. And I think we're becoming okay with it. You'll see yeah. me do this a lot. I'll say, look yeah, at our moms. And I yeah. say, just, you know, just yeah. brush it off. Um, but yeah, I, I think we are really upsetting the balance of power mm-hmm. in education. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And you it's, completely are. And it's very concerning to a lot of people because there are a lot of people that are making a lot of money, our hard-earned money, yeah. parent, and off of our children and off of education. Yeah. And, and what parents are looking at are the outcomes. And mm-hmm. I've often said, you know, if, if there was a surgeon and two-thirds of the people that that surgeon operated on didn't make it out of surgery, would we still be allowing that surgeon to operate. And yet here in America, we have roughly two thirds of our kids not learning to read proficiently, not doing Mm -hmm. well in math and science. And yet we continue to fund that failure and increase the funding of that failure. And and so parents are are, kind of, you know, for the on offense, blowing the whistle and saying (laughs) like, you know, foul, foul play, like this is something's up here. And, and that's really making a lot of people angry. But at this point now, I, I agree. I think uh, we're pushing all the right buttons. Good. Well, speaking truth to power is an American custom. So God bless you all for doing it. I don't want to lose the, the, the thread that, that you introduced, which is important to me and to Heritage as well, about fighting the, 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 the problem of redefining boys and girls. And just a little bit of context for me on that as a kindred spirit on that issue Several years ago, when this came up first in the Texas legislature uh, during my previous role, 
there had been a similar fight in North Carolina, mm-hmm. which, of course, you know, the other side said this North Carolina law was going to cause all of the these economic problems in that state. North Carolina is one of the most flourishing states in the country. So it didn't happen. But the point was one of our coalition partners on the issue of defending girls and not allowing men to to be in their restrooms was that there weren't enough cases of abuse. Mm. And your point earlier about the bike helmets, that we don't have to have one of our children have a bicycle accident to cause us to have them wear a helmet is apropos. And, and the point, Tiffany, is that we now know several years later that, in fact, there are incidents mm-hmm. in schools, some of them violent, some of the worst kinds of violence. Not to mention that if we just look at the arena of sports, both at the college level and increasingly at the high school level, those of us with girls at home have a real problem when we're trying to raise strong women, which we want to do. And the left is changing the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. So why don't you explain for our audience the extent to which Moms for Liberty is confronting that problem? Absolutely. Well, our moms are concerned with all different areas that are yeah. affecting their children, right? Sure. Um, this issue of gender ideology indoctrination in mm-hmm. schools has just really been very concerning for yeah. parents in general. And I've sat with moms whose daughters have been captured somewhat mm-hmm. by this rapid onset gender dysphoria. Yeah. Um, and, and so... Um, for us as women, there is no right way to be a girl. And women fought That's for right. a very long time right. to be able to say that. You know, that mm-hmm. you don't have to, if you want to have short hair, you don't want, you know, we've, we've worked really hard. Yeah. You, you like sports. You and, and so for us, watching as our daughters are kind of stereotyped again, and, and then mm-hmm. there's this idea that, and our sons too, that there's some right way or wrong way yeah. to be a gender. Children are not born in the wrong bodies. That's right. And, and, and moms know their children well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, looking at the idea of the erasure of biological sex in place of gender identity is concerning to us. Yeah. We want our girls to be strong, to be able to participate in mm-hmm. sports. And, and we know that a future of men playing in women's sports will erase uh, yeah. women from being able to, to be competitive and to, to be successful. And so, um, you know, moms are standing up and, and yeah. this idea that, you know, somehow we're a birthing person instead oh of a, a woman or, or, or that men can get pregnant and carry babies. No, they can't. Yeah. Right. And so really moms are standing for truth right. and we're not scared uh, to stand up and say, come on guys, this is baloney. And, yeah. and I say, oftentimes people, someone said something about, uh, woke values. I did an interview the other day and someone said something about woke values and I said, no, no, no. <laughs> These are not values. This are. Is, and they said, well, what would you call it? And I said, nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> woke nonsense. Yeah, that's well said. These are not values. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, it, and it's really important with, with all of the charity that was in your response just now that we also are very clear and very firm about responding to that. So what are the other issues beyond those we've discussed that Moms for Liberty is working on that you want our audience to be aware of and perhaps helpful with? Everyone has a role to play yeah. right now. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned as a school board member. Every mm-hmm. voice matters. Yeah. Um, we need to have some hard conversations in this country about issues that we may be divided on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to look at our public schools and say, if we have issues where there's such division, um, and we look at sex education, for example, and how that's changing, yeah. you know, where are the boundaries between school and home? Mm-hmm. And, and parents very much want to redefine those. Again, I said we don't co-parent with the government, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I, 
I think that all Americans can really stick, take a step back and look and say, what role do we want education to play mm -hmm. in America going forward? And what are our expectations mm -hmm. for public education? Um, Tina and I uh, fight hard for public education. I think one of the things, m not many things bother me uh, about what's written about us, um, but I think one of the things that bothers me uh, is the fact when sometimes people will say that we don't care about public education or we want to abolish it. Yeah. Um, I think there's value in sure. a country coming together and saying that we want to make sure that our children are educated and that they learn to read. Literacy to me is equity. Yeah. Um, every child deserves to read and 95% of children have the ability to read. Um, so really the focus for us at Moms for Liberty is on academics and achievement. Yeah. Um, we'd like to get back to that place and I think as a country we need to decide what do we want our schools to be teaching mm -hmm. And what really needs to be left at home? And I think everyone has a role to play in that conversation. Good. And and just some context, which you've touched on a couple of times, the United States spends more per student than any other country in the world. And we, over our lifetimes, being in the same generation, we have seen American public schools, of which I'm a proud product, I presume you are as well, decline relative to the rest of the world in terms of education achievement. When, you know, 25 years ago or so, uh, educational achievement by American students across races and ethnicities was in the top 10, 15, or 20 in the world, which says something because we're such a pluralistic society. That's one of the other noble achievements of the United States. But we are lucky to be in the top 100 now, which is not just an embarrassment, but it is a tragedy. And we haven't even now coming from this educator, we haven't even gotten into the long term educational consequences of taking kids out of school for so long. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say, based on your experience and leaning into your optimism, how do we fix a system that actually our country depends on and not just with educational attainment achievement but with uh, transmitting values american values from one generation to the next we get parents back into the classrooms. Okay, so parental involvement. Parental involvement. We get yeah. parents back into the classrooms, and we mm -hmm. understand that parents are a huge driver, if mm. not the number one driver of student yeah. success. And this idea that parents shouldn't have a say in their children's education, I think we yeah. saw what that looked like in Virginia. Right. I think every American politician that wants to get elected needs to understand yeah. that this issue is the issue that they need to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. We talk about national security, mm -hmm. and, and we look at the future of our country. Imagine a generation of children who can't read, mm -hmm. who can't discern um, anything. And so when we look at what happened through COVID, the need to be able to read and to research, to analyze data. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at what happens with some of these bills, when people don't read the bills, right? In Florida, we had those situations. Yep. And we look in, and, and if people rely on the media, mm -hmm. if people rely, unfortunately, on the President of the United States and the Press Secretary for information, they were given bad information. American citizens were lied to. Mm -hmm. And so we really feel like literacy is, is the most important issue that we need to focus on. Good. We need to be raising children that can read and can participate in our country and getting parents back in the forefront uh, of that conversation, mm -hmm. I, I think is the, the most important thing. And mm -hmm. so um, every parent, this is not, these are not partisan issues. And mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that we need to look at as Americans. What issues do we get? Can we draw together? on principle yep. and agree upon. And I think, you know, I've met a lot of parents and the one thing I'll say is that I think every parent really does love their child and wants the best for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so again, getting parents back into classrooms and schools, I think will help us to solve a lot of the, the ills that are, are happening right now. 
And thank you. And as we wrap up here, do you think that if that happens, that we will be able to restore the value and the achievement that for most of its history, the American public school system has had? I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. But it's going to take everyone working together. Yeah. So this is no small task. No, it's it it isn't. But I but I think that, you know, you're never going to find anyone that's going to fight harder than a parent for their child. Yeah. And parents are fighting for America because we know that our children inherit the future that we're creating now. And so um, we're going to keep fighting. Uh, We're going to keep growing. We have 200 chapters in 37 states. And and our goal is to have uh, a chapter in every county and a Moms for Liberty member standing up and and watching Mm -hmm. over that school district and making sure that they're making the best choices for kids. Yeah. So you're looking forward, which is great. So uh, last question is, how do people get involved? How do they learn more? Yeah, so go to momsforliberty.org. Okay. Uh, click on the map. You can click on your state uh, and, and see if you have a chapter in your county. If you don't have a chapter, click to start one. Yeah. Um, you need uh, 10 like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. You need to be involved mm-hmm. in your community because this isn't a small task. Leading mm-hmm. in your community is a big responsibility. Uh, but I will say, however you choose to lead, whether that's with a Moms for Liberty chapter mm-hmm. or running for office, mm-hmm. um, getting involved at the local level is going to be the key to saving America. Well, thank you for that. And I'll underscore that people, because of my role at Heritage, think that I happen to believe that all of the important work when it comes to policy and politics is in Washington, D.C., but in fact, quite the opposite. The most important way that we can get involved as Americans, wherever we live, regardless of the politics in our state or our community, is at the local level. And y'all have proved that. Tiffany Justice, Moms for Liberty, thanks for joining me and thanks for everything you've done for our kids. Thank you. I hope you enjoy that conversation as I did with this great patriot, Tiffany. We will be back next time with someone who has also made a difference. But in the meantime, please do all of us at the Heritage Foundation a favor and listen to Tiffany's advice. Take care.